Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Enjoy this message from a guest speaker. Man, it is good to be with you here in Houston, Pennsylvania, Washington County. Believe in God for a great outpouring of his spirit. And I told your pastor, I felt I was in confirmation of the Lord in the first service, and I feel it again now when he hands me a black and gold mic. Come on, somebody. Let's make this go. I got Kenny Pickett in the front row up in here. We're going to get him to the game on time. So I'm excited, uh, man, uh, believe in. Let me see your hands, man. Let me see how big they are. Now nah, you can't be Kenny. Those are too big, but... Nah. But, uh, man, we're excited, believe in God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit this week, and just just excited for, for what the Lord has for us. And uh, I have been in prayer and fasting already because I knew your pastor had been in open rebellion, so I had just been... <laughs> Doing my absolute best uh, to uh, make up for that. No, uh, but we are. We're. We. I'm, I'm excited for what God has. I do believe this is a God ordained week for us, and I. I don't take this lightly. As we've, as your pastor said, we've been traveling since. As, actually, it's about as long as you've been here. It's been as long as we've been traveling, and so I'm glad it took 17 years for you to listen to God. But uh, we've, we've been. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Uh, but we. We are. Uh, I. I don't believe God wants to do something this week because I'm here. You know, I believe God wants to do something this week because he's here. And honestly, I'm not even waiting till tonight. I'm not waiting till an hour from now. I'm, I believe God wants to do something in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits right here and right now. And that starts with our open commitment to the Lord. And as your pastor said, we're, it'll be a service tonight at six o'clock and then again Monday through Friday at seven. Uh, Jeremiah will be here, Jeremiah Gruber with the children. Listen, we are not, it is not babysitting that's going to be happening over there. Listen, they are going to be poured into, ministered to. Kids will be saved and healed and baptized and the Holy Spirit called into ministry. Uh, there's going to be some awesome things happening there. And so I'm excited for what God has. And then, you know, uh, listen, right here in the, in the main services, I don't even know why we call them the main services, but, you know, I don't got something else better to say. But I believe God has these, these nights planned out for us. And the Bible says it's very clear in the book of James that when we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. Now, what does that mean? That means we need to be intentional. You have to do things on purpose. Uh, essentially, as, as your pastor said, this isn't a normal thing for us, that we have services starting on a Sunday morning or running all the way till Friday night. Sometimes, uh, you know, it was a Sunday to uh, Wednesday or sometimes a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. And so this is an abnormal thing, but here's the reality of it. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. Some of us, we've been stuck in the same cycle and in the same moment and just, just been in this over and over and over again. Now, listen to me. I want you, if you, I want you to open up your spiritual eyes. Do you not hear it? Do you not perceive it? The Lord wants to spring something brand new up in your life this week. And if we would surrender to God and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to set this time aside. Now, Listen, I, 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 I'm sure that a lot of us cannot be here for every service. I get that. I have four kids of my own. Uh, Emily's 19 and Josiah's 15, Hudson's 12, and my little girl, Ariana's 8. I get it. I fully understand that. We want to be conscious of our time. I believe God can move in a timely manner, but I also believe this. As your pastor said, if, if God happens to keep us a little longer on a night, listen, it is the same God that kept us here in his presence that is the same God that will refresh us and wake me up the next morning. 
morning. God is not a drain on my life. He is my source of life. And I believe this week God wants to pour out his presence and his spirit in our lives this week. And so let's set aside our time. Let's let's be purposeful and intentional about this. If you're not used to coming to church on on an evening service, can I tell you this is for you 100%, 1,000%. This is for you. How Whatever you got to do, whatever you can possibly move to make sure that you're here. Listen to me. If you can't get here by 7, get here by 7.30. If you can't get here by 7.30, get here by, give God your very best. And you might find out that God wants to pour out more in your life than what you ever thought he could. Because he wants to do exceedingly and abundantly far more than we could ever ask, imagine, or think. That's the overflow of God. But here's the key. It's only according to the power of God that we allow to work on the inside of us. It's our inward commitment that determines how much we receive from the Lord. So this week, let's be intentional. And as, as we move forward, I'll, I'll do my best and try and introduce, you know, my family. My wife is here. Katie is, we've been married now for 21 years. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we we're blessed with four amazing kids and two of the best dogs in the world, Maggie and Melly. Uh, they're, they are my, Maggie, I always say Maggie is my spirit animal. Uh, but I don't even know what that means. That's weird. Oh, look, they, oh, there's my puppies too. Look at y'all. Oh, Look how small Maggie was. Maggie, Melly is the, is the brown fluffy one, and then Maggie's the black and white one. And man, she's my puppy dog. She's like 52 pounds right now. So uh, she's a sheep-a-doodle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, man, I'm excited for what God has. You got me all distracted. Look at my doggies. Man, that is so good. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to the book of John chapter 2. And I'll try to kind of introduce ourselves. I know it's the first time I'm meeting a lot of us and that are here in the room or whether you're watching online, whatever you might be doing. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get through it. We'll get to meet each other. And, but listen, we're all baptized in the same spirit, born and, born and uh, baptized and saved by Jesus. And so let, let's, let's pursue God together in this moment. And I'll do my best to interject some things to try and introduce ourselves. I'm Tim. I like to hunt and long walks on the beach. All right. And that's the Sunday morning speech. So here we go. John chapter two, John chapter two, and believe in God for just an overflow of his presence. If you got John chapter two, if you're ready, uh, whether you're turning there or you're clicking there, whatever you might have, John chapter two, starting at verse one, if you got it, even if you don't, would you stand for the reading of God's word this morning? John chapter two, starting at verse one. And I, and I do want to kind of apologize ahead of time as we try and do things kind of in a timely manner and all that. And you're, you're going to notice pretty quickly that, that I tend to talk quickly. Uh, and so, uh, I've, I've really worked on that over the years and this is as slow as I can go for whatever reason. So, uh, you just kind of have to listen quickly or really get Pentecostal and pray for interpretation as we roll. All right. So John chapter two. Starting at verse 1, I do believe those of you that take notes, you get bonus points in heaven. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1, here's what the word of the Lord says on a beautiful last Sunday of the NFL season as the Steelers are going to get into the playoffs in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against the spirit of brown and orange nastiness out of the mistake by the lake in the name of the Lord. And God somehow helped me to root so that the Patriots lose. Hallelujah. Felt the presence on that. God, I don't know why, but I'm relying on Joe Flacco and the Jets to beat Miami today. It's obvious we are in need of you. All right. John chapter 2. Sorry, I went somewhere in for a moment. John chapter 2. 
starting at verse one, here's what the word of the Lord says on a beautiful winter morning in Washington County, Pennsylvania. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also uh, was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now in verse 6, now there's, there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. That's huge. Underline that, highlight, circle that. That is like the main crux of the message. They filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some of it out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water that now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let me say that again. And his disciples believed in him. Come on, let's pray. Father, one more time, would you release the power of your written word into our lives? Lord, in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, may distractions be gone. Lord, may faith rise in our soul. May we have the ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us right now. Lord, keep me under the shadow of your cross, Lord, that you would be exalted. Lord, that, that we would fix our eyes upon you and you would become the beginning and end of our belief and our faith. God, I love you. God, I pray today that we wouldn't just experience overflow. Lord, that we just wouldn't have a momentary rush of emotion in your presence. But God, I pray today that there would be a deep-rooted commitment to living a life in the overflow, the abundance, the outpouring of the presence of God in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Come on. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Look at somebody as you're seated and say, go Steelers. God, God is moving. He's moving. Mm. Hallelujah. Huh. Listen now, as, as you have probably already noticed, I like to have a good time. And sometimes people go, you know, well, that's just not appropriate for the house of God, brother. You know, and they get all prim and proper. And, you know, I listen, there's, there's moments and there's, I, I get it. There's moments to be serious and be, you know, I, that lasts about 20 seconds for me every couple hours I get there. Uh, but here's the reality of it, folks. If you do not like having a good time in the presence of God, heaven may not be the place for you. Just telling you that straight up right now. So all week long, as we come together, listen to me, if you're looking for bad news, if you're looking to come in here and talk about how bad it is, all inflation and this and blah, 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 and talk about the government and this and that and whatever else, and we want to talk about how awful everything is out there, you are coming to the wrong house. You might as well just clear your calendar not to come. I'll just go tell you that. You're not going to hear any of that nonsense here. You're only, listen, here this week, you are here to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come to seek and save 
say and to pour out his spirit. You're not going to come in here and hear some sob story. You are here to hear about the goodness and the presence and the abundance of the goodness of Jesus Christ in our life. And so as we move forward in this, here the book of John, is, 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 as I've been preparing and praying and asking God for what, what he would have for us this week, and I, I really sensed that, that God was leading me here in this moment. And here in John chapter 2, it's kind of an interesting story that sometimes you can sit there and kind of wonder, now why in the free world would his first miracle be make water into wine at a wedding? He even said, Woman, this isn't even my time yet. You know, like, what, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I want you, if, if you could kind of step back and really look at the totality of Scripture, and the, particularly even at the end of John. John is very specific. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he says that he wrote these things out so that we would believe in God. He wrote these things so that we would believe that Jesus is actually the Messiah, that he is the one that come to pour out the life of God into our hearts and our minds, that he is the Messiah and that he is the source of life. The, in fact, there's, at the end of John chapter 21, which is the last part of the, of the whole book of John, the book, John says, listen, if I were to write out everything that I could possibly tell you that I saw, if I could write out everything that I know that Jesus did, every miracle every sign and every wonder that he ever did, there wouldn't be enough room for all the books to fill the world. There wouldn't be enough. And so John, actually, he really drills this thing down. And he actually, and through the entire book of John, he only, he only shows, he calls them signs. And we'll even talk about that here in just a moment. It's seven, seven different signs that John went through to reveal the character, the nature, the glory, the goodness of God. And he said that he wrote these out so that we would believe that Jesus really is the Messiah. That Jesus really is the one that left heaven and came to earth to meet you right where you are today. That you have to work yourself up and clean yourself up and make yourself something that you're not, but he wants to come right to where you are today to let you know that God of heaven cares about you and that you matter to the Lord. You matter to God. And here Jesus, he comes to this wedding in, in Cana. Now, I, let's, let's unpack this here just a little bit as, as we study into Scripture. I'm going to try and pull some of these things out. I, I told your pastors, that, uh, as I've, I've preached for 25 years and now been been traveling as an evangelist for 17 years, um, I've never preached directly from this passage until, well, 8.30 this morning, so it's the second time. But this is a unique passage of Scripture. I mean, this is odd. And But when you really begin to drill down into this and unpack this a little bit, the, the nature, the goodness, the character, the glory of God is revealed to us. The Bible here says that it was on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now, let me just... Let's just be practical and real with this. I, I like some details. It gives me some hooks, uh, some things for my memory to hang on. As I get older, I recognize I need more of those. And so here, this is on the third day. We know the third day. Listen, uh, Saturday is the last day. Saturday is day seven. It was their Sabbath. So Sunday is day one, Monday, day two, Tuesday, 
day three. So this wedding is taking on uh, on a Tuesday, day three, this wedding in Cana of Galilee. Now we know Jesus is from Galilee. He's from another little town that was just six or seven miles away from Cana. Uh, and if he was from a town called Nazareth. We know this was the hometown of Mary. And this is where Jesus was born and raised, or he was born in Bethlehem and then raised in Nazareth after they fled back from Egypt. So Jesus had been in, in Nazareth for about the last 27 years of his life or so. And here Jesus is being raised in Nazareth. Nazareth was this tiny little town, right? Where there's maybe just maybe four to 500 people tops that lived in the town of Nazareth, which was just six or seven miles away from Cana. And Cana was, listen, Cana was one of those like little things you don't, like nobody was really from Cana. There was literally just dozens of people that lived in Cana. Everybody in Cana was related to everybody in Cana. You know what I'm saying? So Nazareth is one of those little tiny towns, and really one of the only reasons that Jesus would have been invited to this wedding is because that he was more than likely, he was related to the people that were getting married. And so as we know, even if you were to go back and study, uh, you know, what what was happening, this Jesus was from a little town of Nazareth, 500 people, Cana, a tiny little town. I can kind of relate to this, where how many are from tiny little towns where you know everybody knows everybody's, you know, and sometimes they know more than what they think they know, you know? And then, they, and then, you know, I'm from a little, little tiny town of Mount Morris, not too far down the road here, about 35 minutes away. I still live there, even to this day. I lo- love my little hometown. Listen, we have no stoplights in my little town, right? It's like Mayberry, USA. Me, Opie, and Aunt B were out on the front porch every night eating pie, you know? Like, it, it's a great thing. We have no stoplights. Our stop signs even have the white rings around them and make them optional. Come on, somebody. Kind of roll into that thing, you know, and see if anybody's coming. Uh, but there's all that, all that's going on. And a uh, tiny little town in my, my, Dad is a was is a retired coal miner. He was a roof a roof boulder and Humphrey number seven mine in Greene County, and that's how he lived. And, and the roof came in on him one day, and so he was able to retire a little early. My mom uh, was a school secretary in Central Green School District, Waynesburg School District is where I'm from, and so don't hold that against me. But you know, we 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 all from and I I'm from a tiny little town. I get it. You know, I'm I'm first generation preacher. My dad was a swing shift coal miner. Come on, how many anybody who's still on swing shift up in this room right now? midnight afternoon day i mean it's it makes people mad that's what midnight afternoon day does it makes you mad right can't get on a schedule and when when the guy that's on the schedule isn't working too well it makes everybody else mad too you know what i'm saying and so you know we're, we're from this tiny i get this we're a tiny little town and so when a wedding happens in a group of that small it's a big deal it's a big deal and they come together in, the, in this, this in Cana, and we know this is after Jesus had already been to the desert and fasted and prayed for 40 days, because the Bible says after he had fasted and prayed for 40 days, he went back to the area of Galilee, which is where he is now. He's from Nazareth in Galilee, Cana. It's just six to seven miles away from Nazareth, so this is still all in Galilee. And Jesus is ready. He's just in that moment to step into his earthly ministry. He's about 30 years old in this moment, and here's this wedding that is happening, and the Bible here says, that the mother of Jesus, Mary, she came to find out, as all mothers do, they come to find out what's going on, and she comes to him and says, son, they're about to run out of wine. It's about to happen. Now, that doesn't sound like, you know, a big deal, you know, like, you know, go down to Walmart and get some water, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to make this work. That, that's not the way this is. 
See, what you have to understand that this is actually a huge public disgrace. Actually, I'm giving you a little piece of info I didn't give to the first service. In fact, if they were to run out of supplies for the wedding feast, it was actually a legal law that the mother-in-law could sue the, sue the groom. How about that? That's a great way to start. By the way, get the camera on me. My mother-in-law is a wonderful woman. All right. That'd be good for a free cup of coffee. So, they knew that this was a big deal. It was, it was a, this would be huge. This would be a moment of incredible disgrace because, the, listen to me, it was the job of the groom. In fact, whenever you were to get married, listen, you were actually engaged or what the Bible would call being betrothed. How many remember from just a few weeks ago at Christmas, you've heard this before, that Mary and Joseph were betrothed together. It was a legal binding contract. That the only way that you could not be, not be engaged to someone at this moment or what, what, what is called betrothal is that you could you actually had to go through the same process as if you were married and get divorced. Like this was a legal thing. And so it, they would be betrothed. They would be engaged for at least one year because it was the duty of the groom to make sure he had an entire feast. He had all the supplies ready to celebrate to celebrate the wedding. And listen to me, these feasts didn't just last. The, the, the receptions didn't just last for a night. These receptions would last for a week. They partied. Listen, they partied for a week. I mean, and, and the Mary comes here and she says, listen to me now. They said, they're about to run out of wine. Jesus looks at her and says, woman. <laughs> See, that was actually a moment in time where you could call somebody a woman and it wasn't an insult. No. This was a moment, actually, that when this, this as, as English doesn't really translate really well from what was going on here, it, this was actually a term of endearment. It was more like lady or, or ma'am. You know, it was, a, it was a term of respect and endearment that he's calling Mary. And he, see, he says, woman, my time has not yet come. And I love Mary. Mary's a good mom, right? She's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Then she turns away from him and she, she looks at the servant. And she goes, hey, whatever he's about to tell you, make sure you do it. Right? That's a good mom right there. That's a good mom right there. Listen to me, if you want to live in the abundance of the overflow of the presence of God in your life, listen, if we want to really come to a firm understanding of who Jesus is, that we have this belief that he walks with us every moment, every step of the day, we have to listen to me. We ha if you want to have belief in God, if you want to walk in the abundance of the presence of God, you have to walk in blind trust. You have to walk in blind trust. Mary tells these servants, she says, now I want you to go and do whatever he tells you. Make sure you do what he tells you to do. And Jesus, after he just said he wasn't gonna, but because his mom stepped out in faith. Listen to me now. God responds to your faith. God responds to your commitment. When, when I say belief, when I say faith, it is a commitment. It's a conviction. It's a confidence that concurring action is going to follow. That you just don't say you believe in God. My goodness, the book of James says the demons believe in God. Look where it got them. It's not just saying, oh, I believe in God. You can walk out into the street here of Cannonsburg or Washington or Houston. You can go wherever you want. You could ask a lot of people whether or not believe in God. They're going to say, oh, yeah, 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 I believe in God. Then start talking about Jesus and where the rubber really meets the road. All of a sudden, things get a little dicey. See, it's not just saying, I believe in God. It's taking concurring action in the confidence and commitment that you have in God, that you take concurring action, that whatever he tells you to do, you're going to do it. 
That's blind trust. The book of Proverbs says it this way. Trust God with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge that he is God, and that's when he makes your path straight. Trust God with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You're not always going to have this thing figured out. Can I tell you, the most faith-filled statement we can often make as believers is not to sit back and act like we have all the answers and point out everybody's problems and how they should fix them and all that's going on. Can we get over ourselves for a moment and just come to the understanding that oftentimes the greatest faith-filled statement you can make is to simply say, I don't know, but I trust God. I trust God. I don't have it all figured out. I can't lean on my own understanding. I'm going to do my best to do that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm not going to do my best and be diligent and move forward. And, but here's the problem, that when you blindly trust God, listen to me, you have to walk into the fullness of the obedience that God has in your life. Look what happens. The Bible here says, he tells them to go get these jars. Now, there were six stone jars in verse 6 that were there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And there's no, there's no I have nothing in between the next, that, that and the next phrase. So they filled them up to the brim. Listen to me. It's not just walking in blind trust, but it's moving to the brim of obedience. Whatever God says, do it immediately. See, obedience in God is obedience without hesitation. It's trusting God without trying to convince God to do it another way. Why do we feel, listen, Pentecostal circles, we love to do this. Just let me pray about it, brother, you know. Why do we need to pray about what's in God's word? It's already there. He already said to do it. Why are you waiting? You think God's word's going to change? He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I serve a God that never changes. The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of God stands forever and forever and forever. Obedience in God is saying yes without hesitation. God's word does not change. And the Bible says they filled these jars up to the brim. Now this is huge. These jars were 20 to 30 gallons apiece. See, in our modern culture right now, and listen to me, I, I, I don't, I'm not here to like, I don't, I, it drives me kind of nuts when you hear like, you know, older generation talking nasty about a younger generation or a younger generation talking nasty about an older generation. But the reality is there's different generations. And I love that even in this church, I can look out and see there are different generations represented here. And that is amazing. That's what the family of God is supposed to look like. But our modern culture will tell us, hey, go fill those jars up. When God says go fill those jars up, that means fill them up. But modern culture will say, well, there's, you know, like, I I filled them up halfway. Is that enough? We try and get to the bare minimum instead of the brim. We try and just do just just enough to get by because we assume there's going to be a government to bail us out sometime because all the boneheaded decisions we've made. Oh. I said that. We assume there's always going to be somebody to come and sweep up the mess. And there's, listen to me, when, the, when God says fill them up, 
It doesn't, it, you don't have a choice to just half or it's three quarters enough. That way it doesn't spill out, you know. No, God said fill them up. Remember, it's blind trust. The brim of obedience is saying yes without hesitation. It's not trying to have it all figured out on my own. But when God says to do it, you don't have to pray about what to do. You do exactly what he said. He said to fill them up. If he would have said to fill them up halfway, then you fill them up halfway. If he said to fill them up three quarters, then fill them up three quarters. But when God says fill them up, you go to the brim of obedience. See, some of us, we hear what God tells us to do. Listen to me, I, I, I know in a church like this, and I've, I've went back and I've listened to some sermons and watched some services from this church as, as, you know, as I try and do research and try and make sure I'm on the same plane and what's going on in our lives here. But you know, I, I know God's word has been preached here. I know that you have been taught to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God as it is concurrent with the scripture of his, of his word. We know what God's voice sounds like. We know what we're supposed to do. But many of us, instead of being obedient, we sit back and we're waiting for confirmation. See, that's fine. You can put a fleece out all you want, but can I tell you sooner or later, the longer you hang on to that fleece, sooner or later you're going to get fleeced. God will operate in that for a moment, for a season. But he's asking you for blind trust to the brim of obedience. See, confirmation will bring blessing, but, but obedience will bring abundance. Listen to me now. Confirmation, some of you, God told you to get out of that job. God told you to get out of that relationship. He's told you that you need to return the tithe to the local storehouse of God. But we sit back and we're looking for confirmation. Stop looking for confirmation. Why does God need to confirm his word to you over and over and over again? He's done it so many times. Listen to me, we have to stop relying on the signs and the wonders and we have to start relying on the simplistic truth of his word and that way you just won't be walking in a momentary blessing that's here for a moment but when you walk in obedience, you live in abundance that lasts a lifetime. I don't have this all figured out. I, I don't understand everything that's going on. But I have to fill her up to the brim of obedience. And Jesus says, now take some of it out and take it to the master of the feast. You want to talk about, you want to talk about blind trust and obedience. There it is. I mean, they are about to take some old, dirty, filthy water and hope that by the time they scoop it out that somehow it's wine. They're taking it to their boss. See, let me, let me unpack this a little bit more for you because I want you to understand where I'm going with this. Now draw somebody out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it, and in verse nine, the master of the feast tasted the water now that had become wine. And he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. And essentially saying, you've saved the best for last. This isn't part of my message, but somebody needs to hear this today. Notice these servants had to come and hand it to their boss they were carriers of the miracle of God, but they never got credit for it. 
And then the master of the feast went to the bridegroom and gave glory to the bridegroom because of the simple obedience and servant and servanthood of the people that were behind the scenes. Some of you, you've been serving a long time. You've been in children's ministry. You've, you've been doing other things. You've been ushering. You've been greeting. You've been, doing, you've been praying. You've been, you've been behind closed doors for a long time. And you've been questioning whether or not it's time for you to step back and let somebody else take over for you. I'm here to tell you today, God has seen what you've been doing behind closed doors. He has seen your obedience. He's seen your servanthood. And listen to me. You are a carrier of the, of the miracles and the signs and wonders, the confirmation of his word that he wants to reveal his glory in Washington county and you have been carrying it you'll never get credit for it nobody will ever know your name but the bridegroom is going to get the glory and we are going to get the share in the goodness of God because of your simple obedience push forward persevere in the calling God has for you it's not time for you to give up if God was done with you you'd be on the other side of the dirt by now but here The Bible says Jesus told these servants to bring these stone jars over and they filled them up to the brim and they dip the lavers down into this dirty water out of these stone jars and they hand it to the master of the house. And the master of the house says, my goodness, you've saved the best for last. See this, this is the abundance of God that he takes what was old and filthy and dirty and makes it brand new. I want you to notice something. The Bible's very clear here in John chapter two. These were stone jars, which is unusual. In this culture, in this day and age, normally they would have been clay jars. They would have been jars of earthen vessels that, that you know, were filthy and dirty. And oftentimes they, they, they would crack and get big. Or, but, but these stone jars were 20 to 30 gallons big. I mean, these were big. Like go down to Home Depot. These are the ones that are like out in front of like big old buildings that have the pots and plants that just stick out of them in 18 different ways, you know? Like these are the big bad boys, they're 20 to 30 gallons. But they were stone jars. Say, why is this important? This is huge. Remember the scripture here said that these jars were used for the rites of purification. Now what does that mean? Listen to me. I think we all understand this, particularly even in these days, this was a very legal thing, that the marriage wasn't, wasn't actually a legal marriage until it was consummated. But the only way it could be consummated is if the bride went through a purification process in these stone jars. See, Levitical law said that the jars that were used in the purification process could not be clay jars. They had to be stone jars, jars that could not crack, jars that could withhold these large amounts of water because the woman would literally get in these jars and she would dip herself down in and out of those jars several times and then they would take other jars and pour them out on her and it would purify her so that she could be ready for the consummation of her marriage. She was ceremonially unclean until she went through this rite of purification. I'm saying that to say this is the same water. Think through this. I don't want to be gross and graphic, but get here with me. Come on now. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, ask the person beside you. They'll explain it. Like this water is filthy. Filthy, dirty water. And that's the exact element that Jesus wanted to use. See, some of us assume that the pain and the problems, the sin and the sickness of our past have disqualified us from being used and being involved in the presence and the glory of God. 
I'm here to tell you, I serve a God who makes all things new. There's nothing that you can do that can make God love you less, and there's nothing you can do. In, listen, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He loves you with an everlasting love. I pray today, somehow, some way, that that one that's been sitting there and you've thought what it was done to you in the past, the abuse and the pain and the heartache that you've allowed yourself to relive over and over and over again, has somehow disqualified you from receiving the favor of God. I'm here to tell you today that it's the goodness of God that far outweighs anything this world has. Listen, this is a perfect example. I actually just watched this the other day. But I watched uh, when Michelle Wright from Channel 4, you know, WTAE, come on somebody. How many, let, let's just take a poll. Let's find this out for a second. How many are Channel 2 KDKA people? All right. Sinners. All right, who's, 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 who's Channel 4 WTAE people? Wow. The rest of y'all WPXI people? How many of you don't even give a rip? All right, yeah. We'll go get along just good. It's gonna be fine. Am I allowed to say give a rip from up here? I just realized I said that in the microphone. Edit that out, people. But I did. I don't even know what I'm saying now. Honey, help. That's why my wife comes. She'll hold, she'll hold up little signs that'll say, you're going too long, you need to stop, land this plane kind of deal. There's other signs that'll say, that's not in scripture anywhere, stop being a heretic. You know, like she has a lot of signs. Wipe your mouth, you're spitting everywhere kind of a deal. Now, I apologize to y'all right here. Look, she's got a blanket, she knows. Somebody told her. This is like SeaWorld right here. This is the splash zone, all right? If you've yet to be water baptized, come on up, and during the preaching of the word, you'll be fully immersed. Y'all are too fun to be with. This is going to be a long week. No, I'm just... Listen, here's the deal. I just watched where Michelle Wright had interviewed your pastor, Pastor Adam, right? Where they got to, there was like 28, 30 churches or so got together in 2020, right, when all the... What's going on? Remember that dumpster fire? I don't care what you think about it or whatever was going on, but I love the principle of God here. The song, The Blessing, came out while all that nonsense was going on. You want to know why? Because the blessing of God always breaks and destroys every curse this world tries to put on you. You need to stop worrying about, oh, I'm cursed, my family's cursed, this is cursed, this is that, gotta break this or that. Walk in the blessing of God, you're never gonna have to worry about what the world ever said or did to you. Step in the full blessing of God, and it's the weight of the glory, the anointing, the abundance of the pleasure and presence of God that destroys every yoke of bondage. That Notice I didn't say break. It destroys every yoke of bondage, so it can never be put back together again over you and your family in Jesus' name. But I watched as Michelle Wright, she interviewed your pastor, and they went through and sang that blessing. I love that. I, I was, last night, remember, honey, we're, I was sitting there crying. She's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, nothing. Shut up. Yeah. But this is the abundance of God. This is the abundance of God. Regardless of how dirty and how filthy and how horrible you think you are, God has come to make you brand new. Jesus left heaven to come to earth, to step into the middle of your mess, to let you know 
He loves you with just the way you are. You don't have to dress yourself up. You don't have to act like you've got it all figured out. Sooner or later, you've got to be honest with yourself and with the Lord and say, Lord, I need you every hour. I need you. Bless me now. Oh, gentle Savior, I come to you. It's time for some of us to start singing, I surrender all again. It's time for some of us to come just as I am, that we begin to understand that it's not what I can do in and of myself, but it's everything to do with the glory and the pleasure and the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. John wrote these things out so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. The Bible says here at the end of the story, in verse 11, that this was done so that the glory of Jesus would be revealed. And when it was revealed, the disciples believed. You want to know what the glory of God is? It's his character. It's his nature. It's his goodness. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor begging for bread. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You want to talk about abundance. Six jars. 20 to 30 gallons. Let's average them out. 25 gallons a piece. 150 gallons of wine. You're not kidding. 150 gallons of wine. Now, some of y'all sitting back like, oh, that's no big deal. What's the last time you saw 150 gallons of wine? Never forget, my wife and I, you know, I, I do different, thank God, I don't have to do a lot of them, but I do weddings from time to time. And, you know, they're fine, they are what they are. I wear the same suit I bury people in, but that's another thing. And, uh, what, you're laughing, you do too. Don't act like you don't. See, look, there's a little preacher secret for you. Same black suit. We keep it. We're ready. But we, I was doing this one wedding to a friend of a friend, whatever. But it was just right up here off the road, South Point Country Club. All right? And uh, I, it was cool. It was a, it was a great place. Um, but we go, <laughs> remember, honey, we were like, well, like we had just started traveling one too long into it. And so like we were like week to week, scared to death, you know, like trying to scrounge together. We drove a, 2000, uh, a 2002 Honda Odyssey minivan EXL. I mean, I was the soccer mom extraordinaire, you know, leather roof. Ah, look how awesome I am. Yeah, 180,000 miles later. But, you know, we were driving. And so a friend of mine, I said to my friend, I said, I got to do a wedding at the South Point Country Club. I cannot believe I'm going to drive a 180,000 mile 02 Honda Odyssey rusted out van up into there. And he looks at me and goes, you like drive something else? I'm like, dude, I'd drive anything. I'd drive a golf cart up in there before I go drive my minivan up. And, and he, he kind of laughs a little bit. He says, come down to my house. I got something for you. I go down to his house. He has me drive a brand new Chevrolet Corvette. I mean, you know, those kind of things, you know. We go driving up in and we get to the little circle thing and pull in and the valet comes out and he opens up the door and my wife gets out and then he comes around and, you know, gets my keys and all that stuff. And he goes, are you with the bride or with the groom? <laughs> I said, well, I'm actually the, I'm, I'm the minister. He goes, what kind of preacher are you? I'm the kind of preacher that has some fun at a wedding and I'm driving me a Camaro up in the South Point Country Club. That's the kind of preacher I am. So we go in. You know, we do the thing. The, the wedding was outside by that, I don't know if it's the 18th green or 9th green or whatever that's out back right by the, by the uh, country club. And then um, we go into the banquet hall, the ballroom, you know, and the, everything's there. And how, how many people, how many are, have you got any Italians in the room? Come on, let's be on. Let's, let's see. That's right, Italians. That's right. Come on. Adrian! All right, so we, we're all there. We're good to go. And... Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for a lot of things right now I'm going to do this week. 
and they, you know, I go in, I'm looking around and, and, you know, this is more of a Southwestern PA thing. I don't know if it's an Italian thing or a Southwestern PA thing, but people tell me it's an Italian thing, but to have a cookie table at a wedding. How many know that, right? That's right. That's of God. That's of God. And so I go in and I'm looking around because I'm looking for the cookie table because that's what I do, you know? And so I go and I'm looking around and there's no cookie table. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting upset. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm mad. I'm, I'm like, what's going on? I came to do this wedding. Really don't care what they're paying me for it. I was looking for the cookie room or the cookie table. No, here's what happened. I go looking around. I come to find out there was another room off of the ballroom. They did not have a cookie table. They had themselves a cookie room. That is of God. All day long, that's of God. Like, I, I'm like going in. I'm thinking, this is the manna modern. I'm, you know, I'm ready to, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going around. The, the room was about as big as this platform. I mean, there were cookies. I was in Lady Lock Heaven. I mean, it was just like, it was one of the most unbelievable things. I, I mean, I had like, I walked in and immediately went into a diabetic coma smelling the powdered sugar up in the room. I mean, it was just like, ooh, hallelujah. I come out, I'm shaking. I got white powder all over me. People were trying to take me into recovery. I didn't know what was up. (laughs) Cookie room. He just got the joke, see? (laughs) 150 gallons of wine. Server says, you, most people serve the good stuff up front and then once everybody got a little into it, then they serve the cheap stuff. But you save the best for last. You save the best for last. This is the favor of God that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That you are not just living in the blessing of God, but you're living in the overflow, the abundance, the outpouring of the favor and glory of God in your life because you walk in blind trust, you fill it up to the brim of obedience, and Jesus is making you brand new. Every day, you have started, listen to me, you have got to stop living to just enough. You've got to stop just wondering every week, like, how am I going to do it? Where am I going to go? What's going to happen? Some of you might have been even just like the, 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 the bridal party, that they are about to freak out, that they've worked and they've done everything they possibly do saved up for over a year but yet they did not have enough I'm here to tell you Jesus has walked into the room today and when you do exactly what he tells you to do and you surrender your life to him all the things of the former are gone and you step into a brand new walk with Jesus Christ every step of the way not only does he renew your mind your body and your soul but listen to me you will walk in the favor in the abundance in the presence of the goodness of God every day of your life. See, some of us, we've been trying to do something to work ourselves up. Brother, this is what you said. This is exactly what the Spirit of God said to us a little bit ago. We've tried to work ourselves up into somehow attaining the favor of God. You've been trying to chase down goodness and mercy in your life, and you can't find it. Every time you think you get closer, it's over with. You get these momentary blessings. 
I'm telling you today, walk in blind trust and fill it up to the brim of obedience. You're gonna find out that you're not supposed to be chasing goodness and mercy down, but the Bible says that when you trust God with all your heart and you follow him all the days of your life, that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and that's the presence of God, forever and forever and forever. All across this room right now, if you're in the room, in the sound of my voice, if you're watching online, wherever you might be right now, you say, Tim, I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. He wants to make you brand new. You might feel the only thing you have to offer God is some filthy, dirty life of water. See, this is the beautiful part about it, that he turned water into wine. I've preached too long to really unpack all this for you, but I think you all understand this, that you were born of water right? Water breaks, baby comes out. If you're ready to think through this, you were fast forward with me a little bit as Jesus is about, after, he's, he's, he's about to surrender his life on the cross. He's got his friends and his family, the disciples gathered together in this room and they have what's called the last supper. He breaks the bread, has the cup, the cup of wine. Now some people say, and I'm going to let your pastor unpack this for you a little later on somewhere down the road. It's the only mess I'm going to make for you today. Say, well, was it real wine? Was it fake wine? Was it fermented, unfermented? Listen to me. Everything God gives is the genuine article of God. He is not a cheap imitation. As he held the cup, Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. You're born of water, but you are set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has surrendered his life for you. The Israelites, they, were, they, they, were, they got a brand new life. The Red Sea came crashing down on Pharaoh and the chariots and the army in the Red Sea. But the only reason they were able to experience that is because back in Egypt, the blood of the lamb was applied to the doorposts of their home. It's surrendering our life to Jesus. It's giving him everything we have because he'll take our dirty water and he'll give us brand new life. And our source of life will now belong not to what I can do in and of myself, but it has everything to do with what Jesus has already done for me. If you're here today and say, Tim, you know what? I need to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm gonna invite everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. The Bible says that we believe in our heart, but we also confess with our mouth under the salvation of God, which means that you don't have to say this prayer word for word, but somehow you need to mean it and somehow you need to declare it out loud. I'm gonna invite everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me. If you're in the room, you're in the sound of my voice, wherever you might be, you say, Tim, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. This is your moment right now. You pray this prayer, you you mean it deep within, and you somehow declare it out loud. I'm gonna invite everybody to pray this prayer. I promise you this prayer will not damage a soul. You don't have to say it word for word, but somehow you need to mean it. Somehow you gotta declare it out loud. In fact, the person sitting beside you might need to hear you praying with them right now. Come on, all across this place, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Come on, say, Jesus, I admit that I need you. I believe that you are God. And I confess you as the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that heaven is now my home. From this day on, I will trust the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I am saved. I am healed. I am made whole, and I am free. In Jesus' name, I have decided. I've made up my mind. I will serve the Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a big shout of praise in this house. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.